Every week, I send Dawn what passage I'm going to preach, and she puts together the Easy Worship, which is the software that projects all the lyrics and things, and usually I send her a relatively large passage, and by the end of the week, the closer I get to Sunday, I've trimmed down how many verses I think I can cover, and usually it's about half of what I originally thought I could cover, and in this case, it's trimmed, I only sent her two verses, and I thought, well, at least this week I'm safe, I'm not going to have to trim that down. I actually trimmed that in half, and I'm only going to cover one verse with you today, and that is Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. And I think the best way to start is just to read it. Let's read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10 together. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. That's our verse for today and this week. And I just simply at first just want to remind you that we are living in that day that this verse describes. We're actually living in that day that the prophet Isaiah was telling God's people to anticipate back then. So think of a day that you have anticipated quite a bit in your life. I think as a kid, Christmas Day was probably the day each year that I anticipated the very most. I, I've always loved Christmas, and I loved Christmas as a kid, and I loved everything leading up to that day. I loved when we would get the lights out. I would love when Christmas mu- music would start to play a lot on the radio, when the Christmas specials and stuff would start to come on TV. And then as it got even closer, I loved to see gifts start to accumulate under the tree. And then as we got even closer, when family would start to arrive, and then the festivities would begin. It really wasn't even just a day. It was a whole season. And then the, it, would, it would begin. Family would be there. We would start to gather for, for meals. Christmas Eve, I would get gifts from every adult on the Broadway side of the family. And that was a huge haul of gifts because some of them didn't have kids, and so they really poured it into their nephews and nieces. And so I would walk across the field with this huge cardboard box of gifts and that was just the beginning because Christmas morning was the very next morning. And uh, then Christmas morning would come and I would get those gifts. And at some point in that process, it went from anticipating the day to experiencing the day. God's people for generations and generations, centuries, anticipated the day that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior King, would come. We are experiencing the day. Jesus Christ has come, and he has begun all of what was promised, and he will return to fulfill all that was promised. Now, I want to just review with you briefly what we've seen over the last last week and then prior to that, when we last were in chapter 11, of what all they were anticipating when they thought about the Messiah, the coming Savior King. First, I want to read verses 11, 1 through 5. This is what they were looking forward to and what we are already experiencing. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That's a way of referring to the Messiah, who we know is Jesus Christ. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. 
He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So God's people for centuries were waiting and longing for this leader who would come, and he has come. And we already are living under his reign and rule. He came and he lived and he died for our sins and he was raised from the grave. He's ascended to the Father. And he is the head of the church. He is the king of this nation that we get to be a part of. We are already living under his rule. Now, what we read last week goes on starting at verse 6. And I just want to read that just to get that fresh in your memory as well. They knew that the Savior King would come and that through his reign would come an eventual restoration of all of creation and an eventual peace for God's people that would be complete and total. And so we read in verse 6, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, this has not yet come fully to fruition. This is what will be completed when Jesus returns. But when Jesus came in Matthew 4, 17, preaching his first sermon, and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was announcing that this day is here. The anticipation is over, and now it has begun. It began with the first coming, it'll be completed with the second, and we live in between. Now, I'm belaboring this point because I genuinely think this is helpful to us to remember that we live between the beginning of these things coming to fruition and the completion of these things coming to fruition. And it helps us in two ways. All right, so if I lost you in all that, this is going to be practical for us. We know that the Savior King, Jesus Christ, has come. He has begun his work. And that gives us incredible hope and security in what would otherwise be a hopeless and insecure world. When we hear the news, we don't have to panic. When we see world events that are way beyond our control and confusing and scary, and they seem like they're creeping closer to our front doors, we don't have to be afraid. We never have to be afraid. Jesus told us over and over again, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And in a world that is panicking in many ways and for many reasons, we stand apart. And when non-Christians just sort of see the sea of people in their lives and they see people increasingly getting frantic and deeply anxious, hopefully they'll see us as Christians standing secure, being at peace, rooted in a stable foundation in Jesus Christ because we know the true king, the savior king, 
The Messiah has already come. He's already at work building his kingdom that will last for all eternity. Now, this sense of peace and stability is not naive, which brings me to the second reason this is helpful, to remember that we're living between the beginning and the completion of the king's plan. We also know that he hasn't completed it yet. And so we have realistic expectations for our experience here in this fallen world. We know that everything's going to be okay in the end. We know how the story ends. We know that Jesus is on his throne and that he's already begun. But we also know that we're currently in a state of waiting for his return. And in that meantime, we know there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. We've always known that. We know there'll be natural disasters, earthquakes and hurricanes and whatever. We know that our own sin is going to cause heartache and pain for us, and we know the sins of the people around us will do the same. And so not only do we not need to panic or be afraid or freak out about things, we also don't need to be shocked and surprised when these elements of this fallen world rear their ugly heads. I think a lot of people who do not know these truths really thought that we are building a human utopia here on earth. As we advance in technology and knowledge and education and literacy, all these things, as all these things spread, I think a lot of folks really think that we can build heaven on earth. But we know better than that. The only time that's going to come is when Jesus returns and he establishes it. And so we're not freaked out, and we're not shocked, and we're not confused. All this was in the brochure for this human experience, and we knew it, and we were prepared for it. And that sets us apart. Now, I, one of the other things I get to do denominationally is right now I get to facilitate a course for something called MTI, Ministry Training Institute. It's our denomination's uh, attempt at raising up new leaders because we have so many pastors who are retiring. And my little group that I work with are international students, uh, and several of them are in Japan as missionaries. I'm sure, Jeff, I'm sure you know them really well. And uh, I was talking with them this week and asking about how things go for them over there. And we're talking about how having a biblical worldview makes them stand apart in Japan. And they said, well, in Japan, it's probably the same as there. Everybody tends to be freaked out about what they see in the news. And, but they, they were so refreshingly at peace about everything. They're like, but this is just a great opportunity for the gospel because we get to tell all these people why we're not freaked out. Well, I'm not afraid because I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know that he is the king and that he's coming back. And I know that even if the very worst happens, if I were to be killed or die, I know that I would be in his secure keeping for all eternity. And you can know that peace too. See, knowing these truths that if you grew up in the church, you may take for granted really sets you apart in this world. These truths are foundational and they're practical. So let's just regrip on them a little bit. Now, Judah, God's people here, they were about to face just absolute carnage by God's hand bringing a nation to conquer them in judgment. And they were told that that was about to happen. But they could hang on to this hope that someday after that, this long-awaited Savior King would come. They could hang on to that hope 
we can hang on to that hope. Any Christian anywhere, anytime can hang on to that hope. And we can point others to that hope. So that's, first off, I just wanted to remind you of that simple fact. We are living in this day right now. It is in progress right now. And it will be completed when Jesus returns. Secondly, the verse just points out that Jesus stands as a signal for the peoples or the people groups of the world. And I'll I'll explain what I mean there. Back in verse 10 of Isaiah 11, in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire. So Jesus stands as a signal for all the peoples of the world, all the nations of the world. We, that, that word signal basically just means like a banner or sign. We're familiar with this concept. We see it all the time. You're traveling, you're on a road trip, and you're traveling down the interstate or the highway, and your stomach starts to grumble, and you're hungry. Like maybe some of your stomachs are grumbling right now. I should have eaten more for breakfast. I knew Matt was going to go on and on and on. I should I need my strength. So you're, on, you're in your car, and you're driving along. Your stomach is hungry for food. And there on the horizon, you see it just above the tree line. Two tips of something yellow right above the tree line. Is it, could, it, could it be? And you keep driving, and, and the, the horizon changes a little bit. And sure enough, standing above the tree line are golden arches in the shape that looks like an M. And you know from that signal, that sign, that there is hope. And so you exit. And you gather with all the other people with the same low standards for, for food on a road trip that I have and you have, and you find satisfaction for this hunger that was within you there under the golden arches. That's basically the idea presented here in Isaiah for what Jesus is. Jesus stands as a signal. And so in this long, hungry, tiresome journey in this fallen world, our, our souls grumble and long and, and hollow they, they want and desire certain things. It was described in what we read before. We grumble for wisdom and understanding and counsel and might, the knowledge and fear of God. We grumble to be reconciled with our God, our creator and our father. And then Jesus, we see him held up. And people from all over the world, every nation are seeing Jesus held up and they are being drawn to him. It says here that the nation's inquire of him. That means that they seek him. And again, just like I was talking about us being in the day, that that is already happening. There are still many unreached people groups that haven't seen Jesus held up yet. And that's why Jeff works so hard in international missions. That's why there's missionaries. That's why we give uh, each month, next Sunday we will, toward Penny Crusade to hold up Jesus Christ as the signal to the nations and they will seek him, they will inquire of him. Israel, if you'll remember from a few chapters back, they had turned away from God and were seeking and inquiring through other means. And this is a theme that runs through the book of Isaiah. In fact, we'll flip back and read Isaiah chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. I'm sorry, not 18 and 19, 19 and 20. This is part of the judgment against Israel that they had stopped seeking the Lord. They had stopped inquiring of the Lord. And instead, they were inquiring of the the empty, worthless things that the people that don't know the Lord seek and inquire after. It says in verse 19 of Isaiah 8, And when they say to you, 
Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. So in other words, God's people here, part of the reason they were being judged because they had stopped coming and inquiring of their God. And here Isaiah is saying there's going to come a day when not just will God's people be restored to inquire of him, but people from all nations will inquire of him. He will gather in a people beyond just the Jews. He will gather in the Gentiles that Ron read about a little bit earlier, Gentiles like us. And so that is already happening. People from every tribe and tongue and nation are being drawn to Jesus. They are seeing that Jesus is glorious, which brings me to the third and final reminder from this one verse. First, just wanted to remind you that we are living in that day described here. Second, just wanted to remind you that Jesus stands as a signal to all the nations. And then finally, just simply the reminder that Jesus is glorious. Back to verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 11. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. I can't sum up that last part about his resting place being glorious any better than the John Piper quote that I put in the bulletin. So I'm just going to turn your attention to that quote and let John Piper preach this last point. He says, When all Jesus' work of judgment and salvation is done, he will enter his rest, his final home, and one word will describe him and it, glory. This glory is the sum of all the beauties of his person, all his wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and delight and righteousness and mercy. And this glory is the sum of all the beauties of his work, nations gathered, Israel restored, curse removed, new heaven, new earth, no harm, no destruction anymore. That is where it's all heading to the glory of Jesus Christ being enjoyed by the people of Jesus Christ. That's how the story ends. That's where it is all heading. So, I just want to encourage you as your pastor, who loves you based on God's word, don't be afraid. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be afraid. Let it turn your mind and your heart and your attention back to the Lord Jesus Christ who stands as a signal to all the nations. And let it energize you to point other people toward him. Don't be surprised when these things come. He's not done yet. Don't lose hope. He is coming back to finish this project. And people are turning to him all around the world because he is glorious. Now, Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw what we're reading about here in Isaiah chapter 11 as being fulfilled in Jesus Christ and in what the apostles were doing. And he wrote about it in Romans chapter 15. That's the passage that Ron read a little bit earlier. And I just want to read verse 12 of that passage. Romans 15 verse 12. Paul quotes from what we just read. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even 
he who arises to rule the Gentiles, which is the nations that aren't Jews, in him will the Gentiles hope. And then we want to let his conclusion here be our conclusion to the sermon, verse 13 of Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We are people with abundant reason to be hopeful at all times and in all circumstances. And in an otherwise hopeless world, we stand out because we see the signal. We see Jesus Christ, and we can point others to him. And so we're going to turn to the Lord's Supper now. And as we partake of it, I pray that it will be a means of God renewing your hope, filling you with hope, filling you with joy, filling you with peace as you renew your belief in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that by the power of Holy Spirit, we would abound in hope that people would see us and say, man, those people are abounding in hope. I want some of that hope too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this hope in Jesus Christ. Let us be so settled and secure in it that we can see the world clearly and we can think clearly and we can operate from a place of peace and security and point others to him. Lord, our our heart's desire is exactly what you are up to in your word and in your ministry around the world, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up high as a signal to all the peoples of the earth, that in him is salvation, reconciliation with you, eternal life. Now as we partake of these elements, would you please Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Renew our faith in him. In Jesus' name, amen.